Yates on Sunday. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. It's my last throw on Sunday and I put together an expert panel to talk about what for me is not only the big issue of the week over recent months of the country, but something unlike Trump or climate change or Brexit is directly within our control. I'm speaking about all facets of rocketing rents, homelessness and the affordability crisis in terms of a shortage of housing. It's a great pleasure to welcome experts on this topic. Neve Randall, National Spokesperson for the Simon Communities Housing and Homeless Charity, Tom Parland, Director General of the Construction of Industry Federation, and Lorcan Sir, Lecturer in Housing Studies, Urban Economics and the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at DIT. Let me put to each of you, we've had announced by the new Housing Minister and, and Owen Murphy and Leo, they are going to review Rebuilding Ireland and they have a Budget 18 coming up. What are the top two practical political actions that the government could and should take to alleviate the housing crisis? Neve Randall. Well, I think very clearly the acknowledgement that rebuilding Ireland actually isn't delivering and isn't working is a positive thing because certainly I think the challenge is that the model of the private sector delivering housing isn't working. So focusing specifically on two actions, I think there needs to be immediate action on the rental sector. And I think that's about closing the loopholes in relation to security of tenure, particularly around Section 34, which are the reasons a lot of people are being evicted at this point in time. And secondly, looking at ensuring that there is a broader rent certainty. We currently have rent predictability measures, which is the 4% rent pressure zones. It needs to be much, much stronger. It needs to be rent certainty and it needs to happen really, really quickly. The second really quick thing is the focus on empty homes around the country. There were recent announcements by Minister Murphy in relation to uh, looking at this particular issue. It was more about the incentive side. Um, Some of the arguments that we've been making, it needs to be both carrot and stick. So you need to be looking at incentives for property owners in terms of turning their properties around, doing them up, getting them to a situation where they are ready to either rent, sell or lease back to the state. Uh, But then we also need to look at then measures around which I suppose are the more stick measures in terms of taxation. So taxing empty homes, looking at empty site levy. It's too long to wait till 2019 for the the, uh, vacant site levy, but also looking at things like compulsory purchase orders and compulsory leasing orders. And and just in that relation to that latter suite of menus, are, are you talking about that these powers exist and need to be enforced? Or what changes when you talk about compulsory leasing orders? Could you be a bit more specific, Neve? Well, compulsory purchase orders are, are part, so they're there, they're just not being used as, as much as they could or should be at this point in time, given that we've got a context where there's almost 8,000 people trapped in emergency accommodation. These are June 2017 figures. I imagine they've gone up yet again and will continue rising until we start to provide homes and start to prevent people moving into homelessness. So if we look at those particular measures, we need to use them much more effectively than they currently are being used. But looking at compulsory leasing orders, they've been used in the UK since 20, um, 2004, actually. And I suppose it's a slighter, slightly less of a stick because uh, it's a compulsory leasing order rather than a purchase. So the property eventually goes back to the property owner at the end of the lease period. Uh, Tom Parlin, uh, I suppose your responsibility is more on the supply side, getting the output up. What would you like to see the government doing? Well, I think the editorial today, Ivan, in the Sunday Business Post puts it very simply. It says just simply build. 
And I think all of the problems, all of the problems that we have at the moment are because we're not building enough. Uh, and I think certainly the Rebuilding Ireland policy uh, has a lot of positives in it. And I think it would certainly be very wrong to throw it out at this stage. It's literally in existence less than a year. Um, uh, one of the issues I, uh, that we believe uh, that's working quite well is to help to buy scheme. And already I see a number of commentators sort of taking issue with it, that it's having It's stoking demand, not supply? Well, see, this is where uh, some of the commentators, I can't believe how how wrong they are. If you take the daft uh, figures that are being used, 91% of the houses in daft are second-hand homes. And of the other 8.5%, only half of those are starter homes. So even if there is a small increase in starter homes, it's not the cost of starter homes that's stoking uh, the increase. It's the lack of supply. Uh, so our my members would tell me that over 50% of the houses they sell at the moment uh, you know, wouldn't be possible uh, if it wasn't for the help to buy scheme. Okay, other people- than keeping the help to buy scheme, which is which is under review, wh- what are you looking to be done? Because you're saying rebuilding Ireland, uh, you know, has, has some positives in it, but it hasn't delivered the numbers. I not mean, yet. well, not yet. Well, you can't, as you know, Ivan, you can't just mushroom them up overnight. It takes a long, long time. It's taken way too long. Now, this uh, new infrastructure plan that they're going to go directly to uh, to Board Planola that has the potential to have the time, but you're the ha- planning time. The planning time. But you're having it from two years down to one year, which still is extraordinarily long uh, and is penalising the industry and and causing a lot of delays. So what I would say is we need to just and actually that editorial, uh, I'm delighted to read it, says it's time to stop builder bashing as well in this under business post. Like the impediments that are there to build there are just too many. And I think the department and the government have found themselves when they have set aside substantial funding for social housing building, they can't even build the houses themselves on their own land by local authorities who have control over the local planning authorities and so on. So I think we need to put very, very severe timelines to drive the implementation of those plans. And, uh, you know, a lot of thought and a lot of effort went in, I believe, to putting this policy together. And rather than go and rejig it now, I think we just need to pull out, look look at where the, the pitfalls are, look at where the stoppages are and, and, and get building. So you're and saying rebuilding Ireland on steroids? Absolutely. I'd give them a, a good injection of whatever, whether it be legal or otherwise, to get the, to, to get things moving. And certainly the industry has the capacity. There's no question about that. And even if there's extra demand or whatever, people will come here to build houses. But if local authorities or housing agencies or whatever agencies that are uh, nominated by the government to build blocks of 100 houses at the moment, I guarantee there will be, uh, there will be they will be uh, tendered at very, very aggressively uh, and built very, very competitively. But it's just a matter of getting those out there. The private sector are like, there's been a 45% increase in output in the private sector. We're expecting sort of between 18 and Well, 100% of nothing is nothing, Tom. Yeah, well, Do you still, understand my point? I do, of course, From a yeah. very low base. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the the industry is responding on the private side. And I believe as we move along, uh, you know, we're going to see much bigger units. Like lately, it's been infill sites and so on. But now with this new infrastructure, spend it if you're, you're uh, planning uh, uh, sh- uh, speed up that if you're planning for over 100 units, it moves along much quicker. And there are big funders, uh, you know, key to do that. And in our pre-budget submission, we're looking for a fund for small builders as well around the regional town 
funds now where house building is becoming viable, those guys can't tap into, the banks are not lending to them uh, and neither are the big funds. So a fund, we're not looking for free money, a fund that would be at sort of a reasonable interest rate made available to small builders, guys that are building uh, sort of maybe three to ten houses a year because I think that sort of uh, uh, input by a large number of people will have an impact also. Lorcan, sir, what practical measures, you know, because we have plenty of analysis of the problem. What would you like to see in the rebranding of Rebuilding Ireland? Yeah, I think a focus on, on SMEs, uh, house builders, I think would be a good idea. There seems to be a reliance and over-reliance on one or two huge players in the market at the moment who are actually between them building very little every year. So I think, if, uh, and I wouldn't have, I'd have no objection with Tom's idea of some sort of state funding because it, it, these guys are having trouble finding funding from the banks, uh, some sort of state lending to, to the, the, we say what we might call the medium-sized builders out there because putting all your eggs in one basket with, with two large companies as seems to be happening at the moment uh, is incredibly risky and it's not it's not actually delivering a whole lot, partly because it's more valuable to uh, add value to land, to, to flip land, to buy and sell land. Than it Don't is to those firms are Cairns and Hines? Are you I, I think they're probably the two big players but at the moment. But that's Cherrywood. Like, Cherrywood, they're, yeah. they're trying to a massive build. They are, yeah, but there's very little has happened there to be honest with you um, and, and Cairn themselves even though they have the potential for 11,000 houses around Dublin they control about a third of the market they build you know a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred houses a year so we're, we're putting all our eggs in, in one basket and that's fine I mean, that's their business but I think we should support the guys at, at the level below them uh, more than that Is I, that to do with finance really? Uh, yeah I think so I'm um, Tom's better you know, I, I was to speaking to a builder who got, planning, finance, who got yeah. planning permission in County Cork for 500 houses and he said Ivan the problem is now I'm ready to go but the local authority has to put in 16 million to develop uh, the services and they're you know dodging that and instead of the old thing where I put up 30% of the money and the bank puts up 70% they now want me to put up 70% yeah. and the banks put up 30 yeah, which seems op- to me two pretty fatal things yeah, and, and op- he might be accused of land hoarding but he just can't yeah, progress sure. it. No, absolutely but also the banks are looking for quite a, quite a significant return uh, out of this builder you know they want to see a decent profit margin there as a kind of a buffer zone in case anything goes wrong apart from anything else and that's an issue the other thing I think Rebuilding Ireland should do is start focusing on the concept of affordable housing like housing for your average punter out there and, and their husband or wife or whatever it is uh, we have state funding being given to sites out in say Clay Farm and Dunleary uh, and in return for state funding through this LIHA fund, we're supposed to get affordable housing, which is 10% below market value. And affordable housing there is starting at 470000 And uh, that's affordable for very few people. You know, you need to be earning 120 thousand as a household income to even start to afford something like that. And the third thing that I would do very practically is I'd start to tackle Airbnb uh, usage in the city. There's three times more... Uh, full entire rental units available on Airbnb in Dublin and there are flats on Daft and uh, the government are insisting since uh, Minister Coveney's time and now through uh, Owen Murphy that they're waiting for a memorandum of understanding from Airbnb as to how their members will use these because let's everybody who's out there who has an Airbnb flat for rent in Dublin you need planning permission for this 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 is not an option so 99.9% of them out there are illegal uh, but of course Dublin City Council are waiting for anybody to report them rather than be proactive and go out and do that. A, memor- a memorandum of understanding between Airbnb and the state is effectively useless. It's unenforceable and it's a gentleman's agreement. So I really I think the government should get a little bit more proactive about managing the city like they do in Rotterdam and Berlin and other areas and you know limited to 30 or 60 days a year or whatever you can in a, in a housing crisis you can't have people you can't have entire units out there and I have nothing personal against Airbnb I use it regularly myself but really we need to grasp this and like memorandum of understanding these gentlemen's agreements are, are, are okay. it, it does strike me that you know when I, I've been living in, in Wexford and Dublin um, that 
you know, there isn't the same crisis in certain parts of the country. In actual fact, you could buy a house cheap enough rather than you'd build it. To what extent Dublin City Council, Dublin County Council, in terms of social housing need, in terms of planning permission, Tom, in terms of all your issues, to what extent is this a localised problem that actually the local authorities aren't fit for purpose? Well, certainly. I mean, I think the key reason that we're in such a crisis is because local authorities stop building social housing and therefore the private rental sector has been absorbing so much social housing. And do housing they have need. the capacity to switch on that button? They they haven't had it. They certainly haven't. There have been moves to try and ramp that up a little bit, but it doesn't seem to have been as effective as it needs to be. And I think what we really, re- really need to do is ensure that local authorities go back into the business of building and delivering housing. And if the capacity issues are in terms of staffing, in terms of capability on the ground, in terms of going out and dealing with owners of empty homes, whatever those skills happen to be, you need to build up those skill capacities um, at a local level without a shadow of a doubt. And I think the really important thing, and again, as Lurkin said, is the affordability piece. Housing doesn't respond like other commodities, so you can keep increasing supply and the price will continue to go up. So we need to be focusing on affordability on the base of people's ability to pay, not in terms of what uh, is dictated by the market. It's really, really important that we start to talk about access to affordable okay. housing for all. Tom, I was a member of a local authority for more than 20 years. And if you had a snotty bureaucratic planner, they could do more damage than 100 ministers. Like, uh, d- d- is the planning department of our city councils seized with this problem or are they in a world of their own? Well, I think so. And I know it's probably dangerous to talk about individual cases, but Johnny Ronan, who has a reputation of being a highly uh, experienced uh, uh, and professional developer, he did a particular plan recently, I think down near Tara Street, for a very, very substantial development. He hired the best international uh, advisors. He had all the pre-planning discussions and so on and spent an absolute fortune on putting in his plan for a major, major, I think one of the biggest ones in the city. And lo and behold, it's turned down. And now it's been appealed to Board Panola and so on. So, like, from my... But you're talking to people who are making planning applications. Do do you feel that there is a problem in terms of some of the planners that aren't really accountable to anybody? Well, I know even lately now, and I know there was a time when clearly, you know, we had a massive lot of plans that weren't being acted upon. And then we went through a period when there was no plans at all being... being, or no, no applications being sought. But now... Uh, even in an attempt to prioritise a particular uh, request to uh, one of the Dublin uh, City Council Planning Department, can't even get an individual to look at the at the at the particular application or to give a a commentary on it. You know, for months. Uh, so no, no, you know, no. so there is a there is a lot of impediments there, and it's my my view all the time that instead of when a planning application goes in, someone says yippee, here's something positive coming in, it's immediately looked at it in a negative situation. Is there some way this can be held up, or is there some way it can be set aside? And and then the biggest problem of all, in the end, it's very difficult to get someone to take an, ex, an absolute responsibility and saying I sign off on this particular plan. One it's of the reasons around. one of the reasons I asked that, Lorcan, is the very chair you were in, Colin McCarthy, was in last week, and in his inimitable style, he said, look, inside the M50 in his Dublin drawl, you know, there are so many green and brown sites that that need to be developed, you know, instead of people driving from Gorey and Mullingar in. You know, in terms of the Dublin problem, and, you know, given all projections say we could have an increase in population in Dublin, a half a million over the next 20 years, in your experience, is there a localised Dublin bureaucratic problem? 
I don't know if there's a bureaucratic problem. There's definitely there's like there's enough land zoned in, in Dublin for 131,000 houses. So land supply isn't necessarily uh, a massive issue. It's, it's how we're dealing with it. I think the planning system has traditionally been a bit of an easy whipping boy. I mean, we have the same planning system now as we did when we were building 90,000 houses a year. Um, and now the thing about Johnny Ronan's plan, is it might have been a terrible plan. And we, we do rely on planners to kind of use their judgment. Now, they don't always get it right, without a doubt. And the system is, is bureaucratic and can be slow. Um, but, I mean, where would we be without a planning system? You, you do need some sort of kind of regulation of what goes where. Um, now, that is not to defend them to the hilt, because I think that there are definitely some local authorities uh, that are um, less than facilitating it in, in development applications. In the UK, it's very interesting. Many local authorities, you pay a £400 fee to meet your local authority. And the interesting thing there is, of course, when you're paying money, you expect a service. Here, we don't do that. Uh, there is a planning fee, but it's not like that. Um, and in the UK, there's a, there's a more efficient, um, I suppose, customer service oriented uh, planning system that they have there. The other interesting thing about, about, about planning and about, say, something like Tom will probably bring up the, the, the VAT, the idea of reducing VAT, um, blanket policies. Um, across the country so when Neve was talking about you know is this a Dublin problem or is it somewhere else you introduce blanket policies the problem there is you're benefiting the people who don't need it as well as the people who do need it so with the, the reduction in VAT from the hotels you're benefiting the Shelburne and the Westbury who are doing quite well as well as the people who do need it so I think there's probably scope in for, for regional targeting of, of specific policies for towns for cities and for rural areas My housing expert panel today are Neve Rannell um, of Simon, uh, Tom Parlin of the CIF and Law Concern of DIT. Yates on Sunday. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. Now, as this is our last Yates on Sunday, our show sponsors, SSE Electricity Business Energy, providing 100% renewable energy to over 60,000 Irish businesses, very kindly said, Ivan, you know what? You can have two pairs of premium level tickets with full hospitality for the Republic of Ireland Serbia match. It's the World Cup crucial qualifier in the Viva Stadium on Tuesday, the 5th of September, and they've thrown in an overnight stay in the Mespel Hotel. To be in with the chance of winning, yeah, you'd easy know my producers in Everton supporter. Name the Donegal player at Everton who's currently recovering from a broken leg. Seamus who? Text with your name and answer to 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. And that's all thanks to our show sponsor, SSE Electricity Business Energy. We'll call out the winner before uh, one o'clock. Neve Randall, Tom Parlin and Lorcan Sir are still with us um, to talk about how we can practically resolve the housing issue. Uh, on the 10th of October, I believe, we're going to have the budget law concern. What would you think that can be announced by Pascal Donoghue? Would it be extra money in capital spending, infrastructural spending? Would it be tweaking capital gains tax? Would it be uh, uh, perhaps a tax on vacant houses? Uh, what do you think he should do that would have an immediate stimulus in uh, abating rent increases? I think some sort, some form of support for an affordable housing scheme uh, run. We used to have one run by local authorities. We had the social and affordable housing schemes, and that was um, stood down in 2011. But it's still on the books. It could be reignited. So I think some sort of funding for for that. And what that does is it it, it allows local authorities to build houses, and they never build them themselves. That to be a contract to a, a private builder, obviously. 
but to build houses um, that would be for sale exclusively to people within certain income thresholds. So people who earn too much income for social housing, but perhaps not enough to buy some of the houses that are out there for sale at the moment. And I think uh, some sort of support for a scheme like that would be would be great. I mean, a lot of the house building that's going on at the moment, um, it will obviously it, it, there will be supply, but it's going to be at a very high end. It's going to be the clay farm, four hundred seventy thousand, five hundred thousand end. And if people want a good indicator of what's going to happen, if you look at Dunleary right down uh, at the moment and see what their prices are. There's about a, a 12 to 18 month lag before that hits the rest of Dublin, another 12 month lag before those prices hit the greater Dublin area, and then it spreads out. So we can see what's coming down the tracks. So there needs to be some sort of intervention. What's coming down the tracks? For in terms the 12% of house prices, per annum? In terms in ter- of oh, that's, I mean, I can't see that stopping just for the moment. Um, and I, I, so I, I would like to see some sort of intervention at, at the level below four, houses of 470,000. Yeah. Um, and what to, sort of money it would look like? Would a couple of hundred million solve that problem? It's probably or? more than that, to be honest with you. But you have to look at you have to look at the cost of not doing it, essentially. So we have, you know, HAP and housing. We're renting. You know, you rent properties off landlords for 30 years. You could have, you could have built six or seven houses uh, with the amount of money that you're going to give the landlords. It just doesn't make sense to build houses by PPPs as well. It's fine, but it's, a, it's an expensive way to build houses. So I, I think some sort of just to get people into housing because there's an awful lot of issues that happen when people don't have housing uh, and I think some Pascal or, 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 or um, yeah it'll be, uh, whoever's doing the budget uh, yeah Pascal will, will, will don't know do uh, they say if you want more of something Tom you tax it less and if you want less of something you tax it more and there's also the interesting thing they may review the VAT on the hospitality sector which is a big ticket sum mm-hmm. um, of available money if they did so raise that VAT rate what do you want to see on the tax side that would make the cost of building a house cheaper? Well, it would clearly, I suppose, uh, there's a concern, I believe, at political level that when you reduce tax, as they have done on the hospitality side, it's very difficult politically to, to change it back again. I believe it was a very good investment and I believe that the Exchequer has benefited substantially because we know that that industry is going very well. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a, 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 a chestnut uh, with government and with finance in particular a suggestion to reduce the 13.5% VAT that's on housing. Like we're unique uh, the, the North of Ireland doesn't have any VAT on housing, neither does the UK and we have a very substantial uh, VAT on housing uh, just a concern of course that the minute you reduce it that the builder pockets it uh, uh, but I believe it will cause viability but in particular and Larkin just referred to being more specific with some of the measures, it's currently like we're building I think the equivalent of 45,000 jobs worth of housing Housing, or rather of office blocks in Dublin. Like everywhere you see stocks of cranes, it's office blocks or student accommodation or hotels. Uh, so we're creating an extra 45,000 jobs and we have an accommodation for the ones that we have currently. And a lot of those FDI people, the, the Googles and the Facebooks, they want to live in apartments and want to live very close to where they're going to be working. And currently it's economically unviable to build blocks of residential apartments. Uh, and the VAT certainly is a factor there, the local development levies and so on. And the fact that you have So you to think a selective approach to certain types of accommodation vis-a-vis VAT might be a more targeted approach. Well certainly and I've suggested to uh, the Minister for Housing that he should get a group of experts in to look at why are we not building blocks like there are some very very substantial uh, uh, internationally uh, uh, respected developers here with internationally respected funders and they're building office blocks and they have planning permissions for blocks of residential and they're not looking at them because it doesn't, the figures don't add up and I would, would respectfully suggest that the government and the Minister would look 
with some expertise at that and say, what is the problem here? Is it because of that and because of the development levies that they have to put up front and the, fun- the funding and some of the other issues is causing that? Because unless we build uh, several thousand uh, units very, very quickly, we're going to have a major crisis, a bigger crisis than we have currently. So that's one, one of the issues. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, the government made great funfare and, and the last minister about putting 200 million available for very, very necessary infrastructure. And you refer to, you know, some of the big players and a, a 10,000 planning application in South County Dublin. Like you can imagine the amount of roads, uh, the amount of water infrastructure, the amount of wastewater infrastructure connecting, uh, you know, uh, special connections onto the M50 and so on. Like you could spend 100 million there on infrastructure and that 200 million hasn't been drawn down yet because my understanding is that the conditions are so restrictive uh, that individuals are not taking it up. So I think, uh, I know that the, the, the rebuilding Ireland is being examined, but I think it needs to be examined from a commerciality point of view. Why is this money not being taken up? Why are we not building blocks of residential apartments? And and if the VAT is an issue, uh, I think it will be re- repaid in spades by the, like, house building or apartment building is a major uh, uh, bonanza for the exchequer in terms of the jobs and in terms of all the, the taxes that are paid. So, you know, I think a very commercial uh, look at that very, very quickly in advance of the budget would identify some of the restrictions that are holding things up there and, and move on them. And I think certainly VAT for residential building would be a big factor. Neve, your focus is obviously social housing. Um, you know, whether he finds hidden fiscal space or just the 350 million he has for everything, where do you think? Because I, I, I am a bit weary, you know, Alan Kelly, different minister, Simon Cole. We've had more announcements than social houses. And all the while, I see more people on sleeping bags. And you have statistics now, 7,000 people in emergency accommodation, which is expensive. Um, so what would you like to see in the budget for social housing? I think you're right in terms of the number of announcements and we've had actually like five ministers in a six year period of time, which has been a challenge in terms of ensuring that there's continuity and that we are actually delivering what we need to deliver on the ground. And certainly I think the point that Lurkin raised as well, which is around, you know, the cost of not building and the cost of not delivering. And one of the huge costs is the numbers of people trapped in emergency accommodation are going up month after month. And we must think about that. Like, you know, you're talking about 3000 children, you're talking about 1300 families, you're talking about 3000, over 3000 people who don't have dependent in their care stuck in emergency accommodation day in day out and the the social cost of that is absolutely enormous and the damage that's been done day after day but focusing specifically on the budget uh, some of our key focuses in our pre-budget submission was around um, an affordable homes company and maybe setting up and establishing an affordable homes company. This was recommended by NESC, the National Economic and Social Council but also NERI as well more recently. Is this a state quango though? Well, so would I mean, that be it, as bureaucratic as the planners? Well, no. I mean, like the, the objective would be that, A, it's not a quangle and that it's not bureaucratic, but it would pull together what expertise there is out there. So you've got the housing agency, you've got people working in the department level, uh, in the Department of Housing, you've got people working at local authority level, you've got a range, you've got the housing finance agency. So it's about kind of pulling together expertise and ensuring that we can deliver an affordable housing model because we need to, to really change how we're doing things. If we don't change how we're doing things, we continue to do the same thing over and over again and we'll get similar results. Other things we can do, we have looked for a national homeless sub-strategy because our concern is that with all of the focus on, you know, obviously social housing, private housing bill, the private rented sector, we really need to drill down and look at people experiencing homelessness and ensure that they are prioritised and they're absolutely a number one priority. We need to look at, you know, at least tripling the budget in terms of social housing. We need to build social housing and we need to make that happen really, really quickly. The vacant homes tax that I mentioned is a really key measure as well and 
and also the rapid builds. Currently, the rapid builds are taking 18 months to deliver, which is not that quick. And I suppose what we heard is that it's it's actually the procurement that's rapid and not the building that's rapid, which doesn't make an awful lot of sense, really. So certainly using rapid builds or a rapid building model is some way to get housing out there really, really quickly. We're nearly out of time. There's two specific issues and anyone on the panel can take it. One is this story that the public German savings bank Sparkasse has not really been encouraged. Uh, word is Official Ireland want to protect AIB and Bank of Ireland, of course. Uh, some of that state-owned. Anyone got a response to that? And secondly, yes or no, is the rent cap, which I thought was going to be 4% limit and rents are going up 12% per annum, is it working? Um, I think the rent, the rent cap thing, one of the things about it is that I hear anecdotally that it's been breached left, right and centre, but not only is it being breached illegally, but there are so many loopholes in, in our Residential Tenancies Act that it's very easy for a landlord who wants to, to uh, impose a rent increase of more than 4% to do that. So, for example, they can turf the tenants out and say that they want to refurbish the, 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 the premises. Now, legally, it needs substantial refurbishment, which is, is more than a lick of paint, but I think a lot of people out there are turfing tenants out uh, and giving it a lick of paint and, and, you know, maybe putting a new toaster and kettle. They're finding a ruse to oh, get around it, that. Yeah, it's really Just easy to do that. Just, I mean, what we're hearing is that, like, tenants are really fearful of sticking their heads above the parapet. So people are accepting really awful things out there, particularly sitting tenants, because nobody collects data in relation to sitting tenants. The RTB, the Residential Tenancies Board, collects information in terms of the new cost of tenancies and new tenancies only. Yeah. yeah, so we don't know what's happening within existing. And that's tenancies. why there's that's why there's no churn in the market at the moment. If you go and look on Daft, there's about 1,100 properties on the market at the moment in Dublin, and the reason for that is people exactly like Neve said they're afraid to move. Sparkasa, I want to ask you, okay, Tom, I want to, to conclude by by talking to you about Sparkasa. You know, on paper, it sounds like we're short of finance, mortgage finance. Mm. Uh, to bring a new player into the market would add competition. It seems to me there's no downside. These people seem to have an excellent track record in the strongest economy in Europe, both for SME lending and mortgages. Why not? Is it a no-brainer to say, welcome on the mat? Yeah, uh, I met with uh, people from Sparkasse uh, through the good offices of the German ambassador here and uh, had a substantial meeting with him. And they were quite frustrated with the lack of sort of uh, input they could get from government. And there's no question about it. The Department of Finance has a vested interest in in the two pillar banks at the moment. They've spent a fortune on bailing them out and they clearly want to sort of give them a bit of space uh, to grow their balance sheets and so on. And clearly, uh, obviously, as soon as AIB are sent are, are sold off and the more the stronger balance sheet to have, the more benefit for the state. But it is, I believe, uh, you know, to the to the disadvantage of of competition in the market. And I certainly, from what I could gather about Sparkasse, they would have a lot to offer here in terms of either uh, mortgages for, for, for first-time buyers or SME lending that we so badly needed. Um, so, you know, I, I think we just have to... Yeah, uh, you I know, think and I think the new... Well, obviously, we have a single minister now for finance and public expenditure, but competition in lending is essential because the banks certainly are risk-adverse now to a mega extent in the wrong direction, whereas when all this went wrong, they were totally in the opposite direction. So we need a bit of balance, and uh, competition certainly would bring that, and I'd certainly welcome that Sparkasse would have a bigger input here. Mm, the question for Pascal Dunhu, are you conflicted? Being the shareholder of AIB in precluding competition, I think there are some answers required. Uh, can I say to my panel, uh, thank you, Neve Randall, National Spokeswoman for Simon Communities Housing and Homeless Charity, Tom Parlin, Director General of the Construction Industry Federation, and Lorcan Sir, Lecturer in Housing Studies, Urban Economics, and the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at DIT. Thank you. And let me invite you to join me on the hard shoulder between four and seven to continue pummeling these 
these housing issues with our politicians because it is something that is within our control. We have built up to 90,000 houses a year. How come we can't build 30 now? Yates on Sunday. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. 